Pastor Jason. I'd like to thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast from United Church. We pray that this blesses and encourages you in your walk with God. If you'd like to find more information about our church, including our address, upcoming events, or find a place to give, feel free to visit our website at fergusunited.org. God bless and enjoy the message. Going to Matthew chapter 16. And I, I'm going to I'm going to teach the Word of God today. And I was talking to my family about that on the way to church. And I said, I'm, I'm going to do more teaching than preaching today. And they had a really good question. They said, well, what is the difference? And sometimes we equate, you know, the difference between preaching and teaching to the volume at which the message is delivered or the tempo. And that's not really the case. Um, to define that a little bit, when I feel led to preach a message, it's typically something that's meant to bring us to a place of decision. So there's a message that goes forth and it's a, a call to action. We oftentimes open up the altar at, at that service and we come together and we pray for application of that word. Teaching of God's word my uh, goal today is to disseminate information that we can apply to our life over the long haul. We can know more about either God or God's desires. And it's information that's going to help us in our walk with Him. It's not necessarily calling us to one specific action in this moment. So when we get to the conclusion of this service, um, we'll see how it goes. At this point, I think we'll probably just Stand and pray together and, and dismiss that way. And I don't want there to be any confusion as to why we didn't have an altar service today. Although I say that and God will move and we'll have an altar service anyway. So we're just going to see what happens. Matthew chapter 16, verses 1 through 3. It says, The Pharisees also with the Sadducees came and tempting desired him that he would show them a sign from heaven. Him here being Jesus. He answered and said unto them, When it is evening, you say, It will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning, it will be foul weather today, for the sky is red and lowering. O oh, ye hypocrites, you can discern the face of the sky, but can ye not discern the signs of the times? So Jesus rebukes these uh, religious individuals, the Pharisees and the Sadducees in this exchange here, for their lack of ability to discern the times in which they were in. He said, you're, you're really good. You can look at the sky. You can see what's going around you in the natural, going on around you in the natural realm and discern what that means. And yet there are things going around you in the spiritual realm and you fail to discern those. And he brings a, a word of correction to them for that. Going with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 12 through 15. <coughs> that verse says, Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. 
Which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but also the Holy Ghost teacheth. No. But which the Holy Ghost teacheth. Comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. There's that word again. But he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. And finally, we'll go to 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8. First Peter chapter 5 and verse 8 is a familiar passage of Scripture, and it admonishes us by saying, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. To add a little bit of definition to the words that we're reading here from Scripture, when the Scripture talks about discerning, we could inter- exchange that word with the term judge. We need to judge things, to discern, to make a decision whether they be good or bad. We, we judge that. Okay? To be sober is not talking about not being under the influence, although I think it would apply. It is to be alert. To be alert. So Jesus corrected the Pharisees and the Sadducees because they were unable to discern or judge the spiritual season that they were living in. We read in Corinthians that through the Holy Ghost, God has given us the ability to discern spiritual things. And we see here in 1 Peter that we're encouraged to be sober or alert for the sake of we have an adversary who would love to destroy us. So what I feel led to talk to us about today is spiritual awareness. Spiritual awareness. I'm going to start out by telling us of a man named John Cooper. John Cooper was a native of Los Angeles. He served in both World War II and the Korean War. He was well versed in in combat. Following the Korean War, he spent several years teaching both high school and community college level history. Yet his passion for weapons and his knowledge of the battlefield continued to surface throughout his life. And he began writing books and he began teaching classes and he become, became a sought after individual in which first responders and firefighters and police departments, they would Uh, seek him out and have him come in and do training for them because he was really good at that type of thing. One of his most notable developments is still in use today. And that is that he developed a system for what he called situational awareness. Out of curiosity, has anyone else ever heard of that? No? You're shaking your head, yes? Situational awareness. Awareness, And he had a color code, aptly named Cooper's Color Code. 
He wasn't real big on titles, I guess. <laughs> Cooper's color code. So the first code was white. White would mean or signify an individual whose guard was completely down. They were not aware of their situation. They were basically checked out. That's, that's us when we're gazing into our phones and everything else is just kind of blurry around us. We're, we're completely checked out. Um, he would teach that this should only take place when a person is in an environment that they know to be secure. Understand, he's talking to law enforcement officers. He's talking to people that are going to be going into dangerous situations. It's not good for firefighters to show up and be in, in you know, white. Look a fire. That's, that's a bad thing. The next situation, situational awareness, would be what he called yellow. And this was, in his terms, relaxed awareness. He would teach that this was not a defensive stance, simply one in which you are aware of your surroundings. So you're just going on about your day-to-day life, but you're at least taking note of what's happening around you. You're paying attention to the sounds and the people that you see. You're just being aware. Who is around me? Um, in his teaching for officers of the law and, and those in dangerous situations, where are the exits? If there was a threat, where is it likely to come from? Paying attention to these things, even though I don't feel like I'm in any danger whatsoever. Orange would be the next level, and that is when a specific alert has triggered your attention. Something looks or feels off, and it gets your full attention. You're still not in defensive mode, because... Our feelings or our initial perceptions sometimes can be wrong. So he doesn't say that when you get to orange, you run and tackle the bad guy and throw him in handcuffs. He might not be a bad guy. Orange simply means now I'm in analytical mode. My full attention is focused on um, discerning whether or not this situation is a real threat. So orange, now my senses are heightened I'm not just going about what I was doing before, but I'm actually stopping and I'm watching from a distance. I'm trying to recognize what's really taking place so that I can make an educated decision. And you remain that way until you make a determination. So you're still in orange until you decide, yes, this is a threat or no, it's not a threat. If it's not a threat, you can revert back to yellow. If it is a threat, you're going to progress to red which means you are now ready to defend. At red, you're confident that there is a threat. You begin to prepare a plan for action, and ultimately you take action. This is his, his teaching. So to flesh this out a little bit, for us, we're not law enforcement. Well, I don't think anybody's a law enforcement officer. Got some new folks here today. We're not running into burning buildings. We're not doing a lot of these dangerous things. But for us, we do have times when we're in our own home and we can check out. We can go into to white mode and we can have our phone out or we can be reading a book. And because we're in a secure environment, we can kind of put our feet up. We're inside of our home. Maybe your doors are locked. Maybe you've got the dogs. We've got dogs that bark if anybody comes up. And so there's a lot of maybe bells and whistles that would jostle me out of, of white 
if I needed to be jostled out of white. Normally for me, it's not the dogs. It's a blood-curdling scream coming from one of our children. Something has happened, and we need to know what it was. So we're, we're just relaxed. We're in white. Here's where a lot of people live, though, and I keep going back to our phone because this is just, it has a way of sucking us in. But you watch people, and they come out of, a, a say, a grocery store or Walmart or restaurant, and their car is two, 300 yards away, and they get there like this. And there's cars driving by, and there's people all around, and there's that sketchy black van parked over there right next to their vehicle. And they have no idea because they're still in white mode and, and oblivious to everything that's going on around them. And so when we're in those types of situations, it would be wise for us in a, in a physical sense to at least be in, in yellow. I'm coming out. Okay, I want to make sure we teach our kids this. Look both ways. Okay, there's no cars coming. I can cross the street. I want to be aware of what's going on. And let's say you come out of that store and you're walking to your vehicle and you notice that someone is walking directly behind you. Number one, that's kind of weird. It's just human nature. If you're following someone that you don't know and you don't have the intent of catching them, you're usually a pace or so to the right or the left. This is like free practical information. If someone is directly behind you, that's a bad thing. Right? So, okay, I'm, I'm in yellow, and I'm noticing that there's someone walking directly behind me. Now, this is, this is weird, but I don't know. Maybe they're in white mode, and they don't know they're walking directly behind me. So what I'm going to do on my way to my car is I'm going to pick a location, and I'm just going to make maybe, say, a 90-degree turn. I'm going to walk this other direction. Now, if they continue to follow directly behind me, that's getting really weird. But maybe their car's parked over here, too. So I'm going to pick another location and make another 90 degree turn and continue walking. Now at this point, if they continue to follow me, there's a problem. And so I've, I've got to enter into the, well, that I guess would be the orange phase because I'm, I'm giving that my specific attention. I'm in orange. I'm evaluating. I'm trying to make up my mind. Now, if I make, personally, if I make that many turns and somebody's still following me, I'm going to come into red pretty quick. And red means I have to acknowledge that whoever this is, is a threat and make a plan to deal with it. And before you get all gutsy and turn around and confront them, that might not be the best plan. You see, maybe I'm close enough to the store that I can just get back inside where all the people are. Or maybe there's like a shopping cart that I can get and turn around and walk back to the store with that in between me. And, the, you know, I, I'm thinking this through. I'm in orange mode. I'm, I'm being aware of my surroundings. I'm trying to formulate a plan. And then ultimately I have to act on that plan. I can't become paralyzed with fear just because I know that there's a, there's a threat. I have to do something about it. This is important. This is good stuff. The problem is we're better at this in the physical realm than we are in the spiritual realm. A lot of times we're in the same boat as those wretched Pharisees and Sadducees that we like to point at and, and make fun of in Scripture. Because we're really good, for the most part, at acknowledging what's physically going on around us. And sometimes we fail to even acknowledge that there are spiritual things happening all around us. 
So I want to use Cooper's color code as a platform today to help us become more spiritually aware. Or as the scripture has charged us, spiritually discerning. Discerning. Even more specifically, I want to help us become aware of spiritual threats. Because to fully have this conversation, we would also have to acknowledge that there are positive spiritual things happening around us as well. It's not like Satan and, and demons from hell and dark forces has the corner on spiritual activity. God's kind of in control of that. So there are spiritual promptings to prayer and there are promptings to minister to strangers around us. And there are things that that the spirit is communicating that are positive. And we need to have our antennas tuned to that as well. I'm specifically going to deal with dangers. So number one would be white space. A place where I can let my guard completely down. I believe there's, that there's only a few places that we as Christians can become that relaxed. Number one, first and foremost, is my alone time with Jesus. My prayer closet. I can, I can get alone with God and I don't have to be so guarded. He's got the bells and whistles covered. Um, that is probably, or not probably, I will say that is is the safest place spiritually, in the presence of God. In the presence of God. Secondly, is um, I've got to qualify some of this. If the environment has been created, we can have times like this in our homes with our family. Okay? This might not apply to everyone, but within your home, you can create a spiritually safe place. That is possible. There was a time in preparing to come to Fergus Falls when we were thinking about coming, we were making plans to come, that I endured spiritual attack in a way that I never had before. I had, I mean, I don't even know if I'd call them nightmares. They were demonic dreams. And I would wake her up in the middle of the night just crying out for Jesus. I wake up terrified. I'm a grown man. You know, I consider myself a fairly brave individual. And I would be laying in bed, like almost feeling paralyzed with fear when I woke up. And this this went on for some time. And finally, it came to a point where I made up my mind that every single time this happens, I'm going to get out of bed and I'm going to go into a time of prayer. Every single time it happens. And, and so eventually what happened is I was able to overcome that attack within my home. It stopped happening at home. It opened my understanding to some of these things because we would travel and we would go to other churches or we would go to conferences. And almost without fail, every time I was outside of my home, whether I was staying in someone else's home or I was in a hotel room, the same thing would happen. And God opened my eyes and revealed some things to me in a way that we can through prayer and through application of God's word and making sure that we don't have inappropriate things in our home. We can create a spiritual safe place for our families within the home. That takes some work, but we can we can operate in white if we have that spiritual safe place created. 
The third place, and again, this has to be created, but it's in the presence of close friends of like faith. Close friends of like faith. Again, this environment has to be worked on. It has to be cultivated and created. Just because they're your good friends doesn't mean they're 100% safe spiritually. Sometimes our, our friendships, our relationships with people cause us to let down our guard prematurely and it becomes one of the most dangerous places for us to be. This takes effort on everyone's part. So you're in control of your home. So you can, you can manipulate and maintain the proper environment within your home. You're not in control of your friend's lifestyle. And so this kind of a, a, a environment between friends has to involve effort on everyone's part. That means that if something begins to get a little off base, everyone there has the fortitude and the willingness to say, hey, let's not go there. We're going to keep this a, a healthy relationship. And we can create this kind of relationship. We should have that. That's why iron sharpens iron. We're not to forsake the fellowship. Why? Because those are safer places than just being out in the world. Threats do not cease to exist in white environments. Okay? When you're in your home and you've you got your feet up and you're reading a book and the dogs are in the garage and the doors are locked, that does not guarantee you that some intruder is not going to try to get in. It does not eliminate the threat. But there are enough safeguards in place that you can relax knowing that one will alert you if danger presents itself. White space is important because if you operate your entire life in yellow, orange, or red, you're going to become mentally and spiritually frazzled. We're not created to operate at these intense levels 24-7. Scripture speaks highly of rest, but we need places of spiritual rest as well. That's why it's so important. I keep coming back to our homes, but you're going you're gonna to need that respite. You need a place to come home to. Your kids get out of school. They need a place to come home to. We, we come home from our workplaces or, or situations that happen just when you're out and about in town and things that you see that you don't want to see and hear that you don't want to hear. We need a place to come home and have, have a restful place spiritually. We're not designed to operate in these other areas. In fact, we become ineffective in these other areas if we never have rest. However, we do have to leave our homes. It's unfortunate. Right. <laughs> If I could figure out a way to stay there, grow a church and pay the bills, I would probably do it. So we enter into a state of yellow, a state of operating with relaxed awareness of what's going on around me. In this state, we should not assume the presence of a spiritual threat, but we should be aware that that possibility exists. So I don't leave the house every day like, where's the devil? <laughs> Where's the devil? Where? You're going you're gonna to create problems for yourself if you do that. Because you're going to start calling your boss the devil, and your teacher's the devil, and your spouse the devil. That's not a good thing. As Christians, we have to live our lives with an awareness that we are spiritual beings, and there are spiritual forces manipulating many of the events around us. 
So we've got to step back from the physical at times and realize that, you know, so-and-so that's causing a problem for me at work or, or this situation that's going on that I'm not even a part of, but it creates a stressful environment. There are at times when there are spiritual forces driving those things. That's what Corinthians is talking about. He said we can't perceive these things through our natural man. But God's given us the Holy Ghost, which gives us the ability to discern spiritual things. That's, that's a part of why God gave you the Holy Ghost. It wasn't just so you could speak in tongues and feel good on Sunday. It's a tool that you have to discern situations. This is not to be equated with spiritual paranoia. Again, the devil isn't hiding behind every bush you walk by. I, I'll just embarrass myself a little bit. I remember a time I was probably 20 years old. And it was late at night, and I was praying at the church. And, man, I really felt the surge of the Holy Ghost. And so I began to call the devil out. We were youth pastors at the time, and there was trouble going on in the youth group. So I started making my way one by one through every room of the church. And I'm telling you, you're not welcome here, and I'm taking authority. And I get to the sanctuary, and I mean, I'm calling the devil out, and he showed up. I looked up, and, and of all places, he's standing right on the platform ugliest creature you ever seen and that was scary I was afraid until I finally got the courage to go up there because he he was just there he wouldn't go away and I kept praying he wouldn't go away and and, and in that shadowy dark church someone for some reason had put a full-length mirror on the platform <laughs> and I was the devil <laughs> So I'm not talking about spiritual paranoia where, oh no, they're everywhere. It's just an awareness. We simply have to have our eyes and our ears tuned to spiritual frequencies so that we do recognize threats when they really exist. 2 Corinthians 5 and 7 tells us that we walk by faith, not by sight. Okay, Romans 8 and 14 talks about those who are led of the Spirit are the sons of God. This is, this is the terminology that Scripture uses for spiritual people. We're led of the Spirit. We're not just going off of what we see and hear with our physical senses. But God has given us the ability to discern spiritual things. If we perceive a threat, we enter into the orange level. A specific alert <clears throat> has captured our attention. At this point, we're still not sure that a threat exists, but something has stood out as a potential problem. In response, we move forward, being sober and vigilant, and enter into a time where we focus our attention on a potential threat and discern or judge whether or not it's really spiritually dangerous. 1 John chapter 4, verses 1 through 4, reads like this. And I don't think I put that one on the screen, so you don't have to try to find it. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Hereby know ye the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. 
And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come and even now already is in the world. We have an obligation to test and try the spirits that we come into contact with. Interestingly enough, he's writing a letter to a church. I was really wanting to put church in category white. But there's scriptures like this that say, even when we come to church, we have an obligation. You have an obligation, let me put it that way, to keep me honest. If I'm the one standing here preaching, if I open this book and take something out of context, or we have a guest speaker and they begin to preach something that's not in the word of God and undoctrinal, we as the church, we as the body of Christ, are obligated then to test that spirit and to determine, is this accurate or not? Is this true? Is this a spiritual threat? And so we, we have to be on our toes, even at church. Keep me an honest preacher, please. I want to go to heaven. Amen. Sometimes there's going to be conflict in your family, and that's going to be the result of maturing adolescence, stressful days at work, and a mixture of personalities being crammed into the same household. That is not a spiritual threat. That, that's not a spiritual thing. That's just life. Okay, You're not always going to get along. Other times, there's going to be a conflict in your home, and, and you're going to sense that it's backed by a spirit of disunity. We have to be able to discern and judge when that is. Because honestly, if it's just kids growing up, or if it's just me having a bad day at work, I can just let some things fly. But if there's a spiritual attack on my home, then I, I'm going to enter quickly into phase red. Sometimes an environment is going to feel uncomfortable because it clashes with your preferences. You're going to find yourself in places and not be comfortable. And it's not going to be because it's unspiritual. It just maybe the music that's being played isn't quite your style. And I'm talking Christian music at large. I mean, obviously, if you're at a rock concert, it's, it's probably spiritual. <laughs> but there are times. So, so there's, there's Christian music that has a godly message and, and nothing really wrong with it. And you don't like it. And so you come into that environment, you're like, oh, I'm so uncomfortable. Must be the devil. Sometimes you're just uncomfortable because it doesn't align with your preferences. Other times, you're going to find yourself in environments that are, are not godly. And you're going to sense that in the Holy Ghost. And we don't want to suppress or hold that, well, it's just me, I'm overreacting. Don't downplay the nudges from the Holy Ghost. When you find yourself in those environments... Make a plan and act. Spiritual threats can be subtle and even mask themselves as positive. I want you to go with me to, this isn't on the screen either, Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. <clears throat> We're going to consider Satan's approach to Eve in the garden. Are we there? Take that as a yes. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, 
Yea, hath God said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, You shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, You shall not surely die, for God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. The serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field. The spiritual attack that was coming against Eve in this moment was not confrontational. It wasn't mean. It wasn't ugly. It didn't have fangs or claws. He just kind of slipped in and started talking to her. And then he tells her at the end, you're not going to die. You're going to be more like gods. You're going to be more spiritual. You're going to be more aware. And it masked itself as something good. When your spiritual radar goes off, don't make it go away because it makes you uncomfortable. Don't make it go away because you think other people are going to judge you if you take a stand in that moment. It's okay. Even if they don't understand, it's okay. Especially if you're surrounded by individuals who don't have the Holy Ghost. And you do. Because the scripture told us very plainly, they can't recognize or see what you see. They don't have that ability. So let's not allow people that are operating carnally with the senses of their own flesh to rope us into situations that are spiritually dangerous because we don't want to make ourselves look over spiritual or we don't want to ostracize ourselves. We have to obey the voice of God. That nudging of the Holy Ghost. We have to respond to that. Determine the cause of why you feel that way or why the situation is making you uncomfortable. If it's not a threat, move back to yellow. Okay? If it is a threat, we have to move to red. We've identified a threat and know that we must act to ensure the spiritual well-being of ourselves or our families. Appropriate actions depend on a few details. All right? How imminent is the threat? How immediate is the danger? Is it a catastrophic event that's looming, or is it more like a slow erosion that's taking place? My approach to those two problems are going to be very differently, or very different. Secondly, how capable am I to handle the threat on my own? This is important. Okay, let's say, I don't know, a friend comes to you with, with a gambling problem. Like, I need your help. Okay, that's a spiritual threat. You need to take it, you need to help your friend. But if you know that for the last few months, for one reason or another, every time you go to fill up with gas, you're like tempted to buy lottery tickets then maybe you're not in the best place to help your friend with his gambling problem at the moment. So you need to involve some other people. You need to steer them in another direction. Am I currently capable of handling this situation? If I'm walking in the parking lot and there's one guy following me and I can't get to safety, then I might be able to turn and confront that individual and fight off an attacker. 
If I've got eight guys following me, my best bet is to kick it into high gear and run. Run, run, run. Which brings me to the next question. How does the Bible say I should face this threat? We always need to come back to Scripture. How does the Bible say? We went through a, a message a few weeks ago on the armor of God. And at the end of that passage, Paul says, Having done all to stand, stand therefore. Beginning of that passage, actually. Having done all to stand, stand therefore. So, you know what? When you've done all you can, just take a stand. And there are times that Scripture admonishes us to do that. Fully equipped with the armor of God. Stand firm. Okay? The same writer says, flee youthful lust. So there are times in my life when the Word of God encourages me, encourages me in spiritual battles to plant my feet and to stand firm. There are other times that the same Bible tells me that the type of temptation that's coming my way, the proper response is for me to get away from it. Run away. Don't try to address this on your own. That doesn't make you less of a Christian. That doesn't mean that you're weaker spiritually. You're just smart enough to obey what the Scripture says to do. The last question that we have to ask when developing a plan is, by what means does this threat come into my life? Okay, where did this threat come from? Can I remove the threat by removing something from my life? Is there something I'm engaging in? Is there something I'm doing that is making me susceptible to this threat? Because if so, then my course of action is really, really simple. Stop. Stop it. Don't do that. I didn't say it was easy. I said it was simple. There are things that maybe we're, we're connected to or we're involved with that are difficult to separate ourselves from. But if it's causing me to be in spiritual danger, I need to do that. Secondly, can I remove the threat by adjusting something in my life? Rearranging my schedule. Going to the gym at a different time of the day. Doing, doing something differently. Can I alter my actions and, and completely remove the threat that's existing? Like not hanging out with friends living in sin. Absolutely. There are times that, that ties have to be cut. Or maintaining the environment. You don't have to abandon that individual, but you say, you know what? Come to church with me on Sunday. Or, or the church is having a picnic. Or a couple of Christian friends that are strong in their faith. And you invite that individual along where you can control the environment. You can adjust the situation so that it removes the threat. Otherwise, you're, you're knowingly putting yourself in spiritual danger over and over and over again. I have little sympathy for people that, that you know, run with the bulls and get ran over by a bull. I, I, I just I don't feel that bad for them. I, I went skydiving one time, and I'm never going to do it again. Amen. I did it. Been there. I didn't buy any t-shirts. I got a video somewhere. But look, if you make a career out of jumping out of airplanes, and one day something goes wrong, well, that was your choice. Now, God is a lot more empathetic than I am. So, so we're, in, we're in good shoes. But I, I just can't help but wonder if sometimes he's like, listen, you keep going back trying to help you. I keep telling you. I, I've made you aware. I'm, I'm giving you the nudge. I'm, I, I gave you my spirit and, and you, just, you just keep going. You still have that thing in your home. You, you still keep buying that product that, that's hurting you. 
You're involved in, in relationships that are unhealthy. I, I, I'm, I'm doing all I can from heaven. Now, again, God's a lot more empathetic than I am, so I don't think he's in heaven like this this morning. <laughs> but I just wonder. Once the threat is determined and the plan is in place, this is where the rubber meets the road. Take action. Take action. Okay, it doesn't do me any good to realize that the bad guy is trying to throw me in his creepy van and, and think about doing something about it and not continuing to walk toward the van. It doesn't do me any good to recognize that there is a dangerous, dangerous situation in my life, in my home, within my family, within my day-to-day activities, and not do anything about it. Okay, just because it's a spiritual threat doesn't mean that I can't make practical changes to alleviate it. We say, well, it's spiritual. I'm just going to pray about it. Okay, but if you don't change anything, nothing's going to change. Yes, we need to pray about it. We need to fast about it. We, we need to take authority over it. We can do a lot of things spiritually, but also I need to take, take action. Spiritual danger does not exist, or does exist, I'm sorry, but we have to remember that the Holy Ghost that's making us aware of the danger is the same Holy Ghost that makes us stronger than the thing that's coming against us. Doesn't the scripture say greater is he that's living in me than he that's in the world? We don't have to cower and be paralyzed by this thing. That's what was so frustrating to me with those dreams back then is I would know. I mean, I I would wake up and know that it was irrational for me to be that afraid. And yet I still felt that afraid. So it doesn't alter the emotions, but we have to know within our mind that God has filled me with his spirit. I can overcome this struggle. I can overcome this challenge. I can seek out help. I can make appropriate changes. So I'll close with the same scripture, one of the same scriptures we began with. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. I would hope that after the conversation today, that scripture has a little bit more meaning. We're to be alert. We're to be aware. God is calling us through this verse to a greater level of spiritual awareness. There's three times in the book of Matthew where he uses a phrase that is just kind of funny. Let them who have ears to hear, hear. Well, I'm no theologian. But I would say the vast majority of the individuals Jesus was standing for at that time physically had ears. What Jesus was saying was, let those who are able spiritually discern what's being said. And Jesus taught in parables, which was real life stories. He talked about farmers and fishermen, physical things. And yet he says to this crowd, If you have spiritual ears, you're going to hear a spiritual message. So when we look at the physical things that are going on around us, if we're spiritually tuned in, we're going to be able to recognize what's driving those events in our life. We're going to be more in tune to the spiritual forces, the spiritual activity that's taking place around us. So if you would stand, we're going to say a word of prayer. I don't believe I can... 
say prayers for you. I can pray for you, but I can't say prayers for you. So I would encourage you in the next few moments as we pray together that you would, with that understanding, ask God to give you the ability to recognize spiritual things. If you don't have the gift of the Holy Ghost this morning, you need God's Spirit in order to recognize spiritual things that's going on. God wants to fill you with His Spirit so that you can recognize these things. And if you do, He's given it to you largely to that end so that you can see and determine and overcome. Jesus, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for not sending us out into a spiritual world completely blind. But through the infilling of Your Spirit, we can be aware of these things. We can recognize what's taking place. I'm asking you, God, to increase our level of awareness. Help us not to walk through life in a perpetual state of, of white awareness where we're oblivious to the things that are going on around us in the spiritual realm. Help us not to over-spiritualize things and, and become paranoid and afraid of life. Lord, give us a healthy balance where we have eyes and ears to recognize what's taking place in the Spirit where we have a confidence and a knowledge in your word to act accordingly, to take authority over things that you've given us authority over, to distance ourselves from situations that are unhealthy, to be aware of dangers that arise within our homes, within our families, within our own personal life. God, we lean into you and your strength, recognizing that it's through you that we have the ability to overcome these things. We lean into the infilling of the Holy Ghost knowing that that's what empowers us to live above temptation and to take authority over the enemy. I pray that you would help us in this matter and that we would leave here alert, sober and vigilant as your scripture commands us to be. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. I pray this helps you. Say hello to somebody. We've got several new faces today, so let's spend some time fellowship and before we go. Hey folks, Pastor Jason here again. I pray the message you just heard inspires you to draw closer to God. We also believe at United Church that it's very important to be connected to a local assembly. If you're in the Fergus Falls or surrounding area in Minnesota, we would love to have you join us for a Sunday service. If you're not, and you're looking for a local church where you live, we'd love to help with that as well. Take the time to stop by our website, fergusunited.org. Send us a message letting us know where you live, and we would gladly connect you with a great local assembly. God bless. Until next time.